tonight, this is, and I know it's been this way for 2,000 years, when when pastors and preachers have stood up before uh, congregations and and spoken and preached the word, and um, sometimes people are on edge because it hits uh, it hits close to home. And any time that this particular topic that I'm going to deal with in a few moments is addressed, particularly on Sunday morning, I was told tonight at the deacons' meeting that there there were some people got up and left uh, during the service. Uh, if I don't notice that anymore, and the reason I don't notice, unless you're sitting out here under me, I'm so into what's going on that I don't notice when people get up and, and, and leave. But um, if, if, if you'll turn with me to, uh, to a passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 2, and I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 16, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 16, 1, Cor- 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 16. And, uh, um, but let me go ahead and just uh, throw this one out there to you. This comes from Proverbs 12, 15. It'll be on the screen in just a little bit, maybe up there in a moment. Uh, it says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Now, I so much want to convey an attitude that is not one that is nasty or hateful or mean-spirited. When I read that and when we talk about that verse in a moment, because you see that, the fool, the fool, um, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But then in another place, we we read these words, and it's come from Psalms. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, I know that, that before in my life, I've had an attitude of, of anger toward the fool. Well, in case you didn't know it, there was a time in which we were all fools or headed in that direction because there was a time that we did not believe in God as our own God. We believed, yeah, okay, we, I've heard about it, that there is a God. But now, I'm, I'm, now as a believer, I've, I've taken him as my own. But the world is filled with people who don't know any better. And they've not been told or they've not been shown grace and kindness and love. Um, Forgive me, I'm going to throw this out there because I'm more prone to be one since I live in in Georgia. Um, The redneck approach is is that that almost like a mean-spirited, hateful, well, you fool. Um, I, I don't think that's exactly what's being said here. And so tonight, as I address this, my heart's desire, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you what my heart is. I want to see lost people in whatever condition that they're in. I want to see them saved. And I don't want to throw up any barriers at all to them coming to Christ. And, but, but there are things in Scripture that the truth must be told. And to tell the truth sometimes goes against a person's grain because they've already have a direction that they're going with their life. And when they hear these words and suddenly they're being told that the direction that they're going in is wrong 
and they get angry at the messenger and they're not aware that the messenger is not responsible for the message. He is responsible to deliver the message. And so I want us all tonight to be aware of the portion of the topic that I'm going to hit on in just a few moments is one that we need to be a whole lot more loving and delicate with, but still we must tell the truth. And I know that some of you out there have got situations of family, friends, and I sit with many of you in broken heartache and tears with you as you deal with uh, family members and relatives who have taken uh, the direction of of, of a gay or homosexual lifestyle. And... It comes across when I address this that that, uh, I hate them and everybody, and I don't. I don't. I do not. I shared this with you at the end of the message this morning. I and Sheila and I have been married for 45 years. We have a wonderful, rich, rich marriage. And if, if I could, I would do everything I could to help every young person in the world have what I have in my marriage. And I would not want anybody else to take a perverted course because you say, well, pastor, that's your opinion. That is not my opinion. That is biblical truth. God made us this way for a reason that the man would leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two would become one flesh. And we've been blessed and privileged to watch our three children enter into wonderful marriages, have children of their own, and we get to rejoice and celebrate. Sometimes that celebrating wears us out, but still, (laughs) you have grandchildren that come to see you and you love it, you enjoy, rejoice. It's a sweet, precious time. And then when they all go home, you go, we live through that. And, but it is such, don't ever misinterpret what I'm saying with that. I love it. I got home today after lunch because we went with Josh to take, to go out to eat because uh, Autumn had to go help take care of her mother in the hospital. And when I got home, I had cheese all over my pants. I had to go home and throw my pants in the washing machine because I sat next to Emma Grace. And she wanted to help clean my pants off with a napkin that was already covered with melted cheese. But it was, she would look over at me and Papa, and then she'd give me a cheesy kiss. You can't see, you just can't miss it. You you can't beat that stuff. And, And I would love for everybody. I think that's God's plan for us, folks. And the world is saying, no, that's not right. And now the, the pressure is being put on by groups to say that the government should put their stamp of approval on this and, and say, this is good. And, and I want us to kind of look at this and say, and you, some of you have already had a family member die because of this. I've, I've had a family member die, a cousin that died. It, it was a secretive death, but I figured out pretty quickly what he died of. 
And, um, but yet now it's almost like we're championing the cause. And that's not, let's champion God's cause, okay? Stand with me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of that man? That's what he's saying. The man of which is in him. In other words, you know what's going on inside of you. You know what you're thinking. But you don't know what I'm thinking. You don't know what's going on with me. Uh, I try to tell you quite often what's going on, what's happening. But still, you know what's going on in you because that, that you are that person with that spirit. Then, even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. In other words, God has given us his spirit. He's given us his word so that his spirit and his word would speak to us and help us to know the the true things. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom uh, teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, This is the unsaved man. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So we're going to be looking at this tonight, that a lot of the things that we look at, the world does not join us in that viewpoint because it's contrary to their spirit because they do not have the spirit of God. Verse 15, but he who is spiritual judges or, uh, or, or weighs out, considers all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody, of course, but we have the mind of Christ. Father, tonight, may your Holy Spirit more than anything else, may your Holy Spirit be our teacher. We just want to take your word and, and, and look and see so that we might have you living in us so that we can see and tell what is right and true, but also so that we can be gracious and kind and loving in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, I mentioned this this morning. You, you've got to understand um, I'm not a finished product. <clears throat> um, Denise and I used to sing that, uh, uh, that song that, that Bill and Gloria Gaither did. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and gracious he must be. He's still working on me, and he's still working on me. And I've oftentimes said, just do the right thing, and I'm changing that now to just do the loving thing. Just do the loving thing because God is love. God has placed his spirit within us and we want to be able to give people the true love that comes from God. And, and quite often that love is to help people understand the danger or the error of their way. Now, why does wrong so often seem right? Well, I think it only seems right to the fool. Uh, Consider the fool's confession. I read this a moment ago, and uh, I want to read it again, the whole thing. And this is in Psalm 14, verse 1. This is the fool's confession. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. 
So the fool is the person who says there is no God. And the fool's way is this, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. In other words, the fool looks at things in the world and makes choices and decisions as though there were no God. Okay? So the, 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 the fool has said there is no God. So when the fool looks out and seeks to make um, uh, uh, judgment or to figure things out, to evaluate to evaluate what's going on around them so they can figure out where do I jump in? What should be my stance? What should be my position? But the fool has said, well, there is no God. Therefore, anything that I want to do must be right. Right? Isn't that the way that would be? Because the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. And so the fool will be apt to make himself to be God. And therefore, I will decide what is true, what is right, what is correct for me to do. And, 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 and in doing so, <clears throat> I will be uh, recruiting in it too. Because if, if I believe that this is right, although really it's wrong, uh, but I, won't, I don't want to be by myself in doing it. I want everybody else to join me and say, come over here and join me and say that this is right. Even though, according to God's word, it is not right, it is wrong. So that is why a person will say that something is right when it's wrong. Now, here's what we've got to understand. The fool's way. And through the years, I've brought this up, and I'm going to bring it up now. And again, I want you to hear my heart with this. There are atheists, the people who say there is no God, the fool who says there is no God. Then there are practicing atheists. In other words, you can be a Christian and be a practicing atheist. In other words, a practicing atheist who is really a Christian is somebody who lives parts of their life like there is no God. In other words, God has no authority in this area. Uh, and, and I'm going to be as fair as I know how to be. Um, it is not unusual today for us to have people visit our church. A man and a woman who are obviously a couple and they have different last names and they're living at the same address. And, and, and so I will go ahead and call that out. That's called immorality. It's called sexual perversion. It's called adultery because when you are having sex with someone that, with, to whom you're not married, that is called adultery. I don't care if you're 15 or if you're 55. It is still called adultery because you are having sexual relations with someone to whom you are not married. Sex outside of marriage is perversion, it's immorality, and it's wrong. And, and so we sometimes, well, Pastor, Pastor I'm, I, I'm not homosexual, so it can't be wrong. Folks, heterosexual sex outside of marriage is sin and immorality and corruption. Now, we say, well, but that's not as bad as homosexual sex. 
No, folks, it is all wrong. It is all outside of God's plan. And it perverts the plan that God has in store for us. And so we see in our culture today the, the, the blurring of the lines between that which is true and right and that which is loving. Because I'm being told, don't address this issue. I have a son. I have a daughter who is in this lifestyle, and it hurts my feeling and it hurts their feeling. I'm not trying to hurt their feeling. I'm seeking to save them by telling them the truth. What we're doing, and this, this letter came home to, uh, to uh, our grandchildren recently about attending the sex class, sex education. <clears throat> when I was in the seventh grade, I remember going to that class. But it wasn't anything like what it is now. Because back when I was a kid, it was the, back, the birds and the bees. Okay? It was about the birds and the bees. And now it is accepting any type of sexual behavior and calling it, this is normal. This is normal. This is, this is normal. This is, which, which is to say, this is sanctioned by our, our government now. Well, folks, listen, just because it's sanctioned by the government does not make it right, okay? Because I believe that there is a way that is God's way that takes us to incredible blessings. So we need to make sure we're aware that there's the practicing follower of Jesus who sometimes is living like there is no God. And, and again, please hear me. I have no problem helping people understand that if you are a follower of Christ, you need to follow him because he is going to lead you to what he called abundant life. And if you follow him, but you don't follow him more and more in your growth, then you're going to miss out on blessings that God has in store for you because you're not willing to go all the way with him and follow him in the direction that he leads. So we look at these and we see at verse 12, we see that we've received, we've, 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 we've received from God knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge, in my understanding, knowledge is information. And I love information. You know, information is, is data. You know, you're getting, you're getting facts. Here's the facts. The facts that, 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 that Jesus died on the cross for you. He died for your sin. He became sin for you. He, he was resurrected on the third day. Uh, you, there's just, the scripture's full of information. But then there's wisdom. Wisdom is the difference between uh, having a hammer that you use to crack walnuts. Now, if anybody ever cracked a, a walnut, okay, um, you can't use those normal nutcrackers to crack walnuts because walnuts are thick and it takes a hammer with like concrete underneath, okay? <clears throat> okay, so, so that, is, that is not wisdom. That is just brute force, okay? I need something to crack the walnut and the hammer will do it. 
But a hammer is a tool of a carpenter. And when a carpenter uses a hammer, he uses it with skill, which I call wisdom, which he knows how to use that hammer correctly. Wisdom is skill in godly living. It's being able to take what God's word says and then practice it and interpret it into your daily living so that it not only affects your information mind, but also the way that you live your life. And, and as I've shared with you a lot in the past year to six months to a year, is, is, is I want God to change my heart and grant wisdom in here because I know that there are things in here that I have learned growing up and I've adopted as my own that I'm ready to shed so that I can practice what we taught our children for years. Uh, and that is, there's never a reason to be unkind added phrase to anyone. That we always want to treat people with respect, and that requires taking on this element of wisdom. So we get from God, from God's Spirit, God's Spirit living in us. And some of the things that, that we've said in the past that may be a, a trite racial comment or a, a derogatory term towards someone who has chosen a particular lifestyle or living in a particular lifestyle, that we just flippantly call them some name. That, that I want God to take that out of my heart so that it will never come out of my mouth ever again. And, and I want him to nip it in my heart and in my brain so that it will just go away completely, completely. So that when I look at someone, there's purity, there's humility, there's a desire to love that person and meet them where they are without any type of judgment except for to bring them the truth of God. Say, listen, I love you. And anything I'm going to say to you, I'm not trying in any way, any way to hurt you. I want you to know the truth because Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 13, the spirit of the world cannot help you with spiritual truth. If, folks, listen, what the world teaches you is, 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 is in my, my understanding, it is contrary to the word of God. It is contrary to the spirit of God. It is contrary to what we gain from this book. Verse 14 tells us that the natural man, that is the unsaved man, does not receive the things of the Spirit. Because when a, when a natural man hears the things, such as the gospel, it's crazy. I mean, tithing, you, you, give, you do what? You give 10% to your church, 10% plus? What's that all about? Why do you do that? They don't get it. They don't understand. They don't even understand why we would give money like that to the church. And yet, when we begin to talk to them about the cross, because um, to those who are perishing, the cross is foolishness. But for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the world just doesn't get it. But our approach is to not mock them, condemn them, curse them, but to look for an opportunity to show them as well as tell them the gospel message so that perhaps, you see, no one comes to Jesus unless the Father who sent him does the drawing. That's John 6, 44, if you don't know what that is. So he is the one who does the drawing, but we are instruments. We're instruments of his grace. 
And then we are to do spiritual evaluating. What is spiritual evaluating? Well, in verse 15, it gives us this thing. It says, but, we, but he who is spiritual judges all things or evaluates all things. Yet he himself is rightly uh, judged by no one. So we're here and we're going to look at the world and we're going to say, I'm going to evaluate what is being told to me. I'm going to evaluate it by what God's word says. And when it's contrary to God's word, I must say that it's wrong. But you see, if you're not paying attention to God's word and God's spirit, anything can seem right. And the reason it can seem right is because you want it to be right because it is what you want to do. Hello? You got it? You see, if I have already decided what I'm going to do, because that is what I want to do, then I'm going to be willing to rewrite the book or explain it away so it doesn't address this particular need. Thus, someone came to me this morning and said, you use the terminology split in the Methodist church. He said, I call it a heretical departure. That's true. Because when I split wood, he said, I have then a piece of wood here and a piece of wood here, and both of them will work perfectly in my fireplace. He said, but when what has taken place within the Methodist church is not now I have two legitimate churches. I have one church that is illegitimate and one that is legitimate. Because when you say, listen, we must find a way to say that same-sex marriage is good. I just don't believe you can do it. I don't believe that you can evaluate it from the Word of God and say it's good. And I don't believe that you can evaluate it from common sense and say that it's good. And I say that again heart's desire to be loving because I want us to do everything we can to seek to rescue children and young people. I have a niece that when she was 15, 16 years old, she announced to her mother and her father that she was a lesbian. And uh, my sister called me. She was just terribly, 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 oh, as you can imagine, upset. I said, let's just pray for her. She's young. Let's wait and watch. Um, now, please, please be understanding what I'm about to say. We looked at uh, pictures of their homecoming court. And the girls had on combat boots and, and were dressed in just just a different sort of way. And, and I'm thinking, something's going on at school. Somebody's doing some recruiting. Somebody's doing their own form of evangelism. We have good news for you. This is great, and you need to come on over here. See, that's, that's, the, that's the problem that I really have with this. If you choose, especially as an adult, to take on that lifestyle, I'm not for it. 
and I don't agree with it, and I still think that you're out of God's will, but don't recruit others to join you. But remember, the practicing fool wants everybody to join them in their foolishness. From the statistics that I've read in in, uh, Frank Turk's book, correct, not politically correct, something like 96% of homosexuals do not want to get married. So we have 4% who's driving this, but it's not so that they can get married. It's so that the government will force all of us to say homosexuality is a legitimate lifestyle that should be accepted by all. Okay, let's take a ride here. Let's talk about what's, this is an attack on on natural marriage. Okay, you ready? I'm just gonna take, this comes straight out of his book. Natural marriage lengthens lifespan of men and women. It civilizes men and focuses them. I believe this with all my heart. (laughs) There, apart from the gospel, there's nothing more civilizing for a man than for a man to get married and then have children, okay? Men will have to grow, boys have to grow up quickly when they take a wife and begin to have children. It civilizes men and focuses them on productive pursuits. Unmarried men cause society much more trouble than married men. Uh, Next, it protects, natural marriage protects women who often give up on or postpone their careers to have children from being abandoned and harmed economically by uncommitted men. Natural marriage protects mothers from violent crimes. Mothers who have never been married are more than twice as likely to suffer from violent crimes as mothers who have been married. These are facts, folks. These are, these are just research, okay? This is facts, okay? You can sound like those facts. You can do with them what you want. You can like them not. They're facts, okay? Natural marriage lowers welfare costs to society. Natural marriages encourages an adequate replacement birth rate, resulting in enough productive young people to contribute to society and provide social security to the elderly. Thank you very much. The United States birth rate is about 2.1 per couple. Any lower and the nation cannot sustain itself without immigration. You see, natural marriage is God's plan that he built into it for us to carry on the culture that we live in. Children from natural marriage homes are seven times less likely to live in poverty. Children from natural marriage homes are six times less likely to commit suicide. Children from natural marriages homes are less than half as likely to commit a crime. Children from natural marriage homes are less than half as likely to become pregnant out of wedlock. Children from natural marriage homes are developed better academically and socially. And children from natural marriage homes are healthier physically and emotionally when they reach adulthood. Folks, what we're seeing take place is just a tear down home 
tear down the marriage, reduce it to something way lower than what's intended. Um, I have two pages, two and a half pages in my prayer book of young adults and young people in our church that I have been praying for a spouse. And I've got quite a few now that I have circled and put the date next to them. And I have a celebration. And, and, and quite often I'm waiting for, watching the phone call. I'll, sometimes I look at Facebook. That's where you always find these things out first. And, and I see that somebody, there's a relationship. I'm going, oh yes, yes, yes. I'll be doing one of those marriages coming up in, uh, in January. Uh, Becca, Becca Sanders and her fiance, Luke. And um, uh, I watched for a long time as I prayed for her and anticipated this. And then it was kind of like when I got to meet Luke and I'm thinking, ah, I've been praying for this guy you know, for all this time. It, you see, that's a blessing for us to join in and participate in experiencing that. Homosexual behavior, on the other hand, results in numerous health problems. Folks, listen. And again, I cannot figure out how our country and, its, and our government would attack cigarette smoking and vaping like they have done as though it's a terrible health problem, which it is. Listen carefully. Homosexual behavior results in numerous health problems. I'm only giving you facts, folks. I'm just giving you facts. Results in numerous health problems to those who practice it, including uh, increases AIDS and other STDs, colon and rectal cancer, and hepatitis. According to the Center for Disease Control, more than 82% of all known sexually transmitted AIDS cases in 2006 were the result of male-to-male sexual contact. Moreover, gay and bisexual men account for more than 60% of all syphilis cases. But, come on, preacher, let's loosen up here, man. Be open-minded. No, I'm going to fight for the welfare of our children and our young adults and our families-to-be. And I'm going to do it. And again, I would, if I'm going to do recruiting, I'm going to recruit those that are in the lifestyle of homosexuality uh, to come on over to where God has a blessing for you. Next, homosexual behavior shortens the lifespan of homosexuals probably by 8 to 20 years. Folks, I'm sorry. This is sad. And like I said, probably most everybody in here has had someone close to them or a family member or a friend of a family who had someone die of AIDS. It's terrible. It's ugly. It's nasty. 8 to 20 years. Smoking, on average, reduces life by a lifespan of seven years. Since we discourage smoking, why are we thinking of endorsing homosexuality? Homosexual behavior spreads disease to innocent people who never engage in homosexual sex. 
A prominent example is Ryan White, a teenage boy who died of AIDS after a blood transfusion. There are thousands of Ryan Whites, according to the CDC. There are nearly 10,000 known cases of innocent people in the United States who have contracted AIDS the same way, including 160 in 2005, 131 in 2006. This despite improvements of blood screening. There are thousands of innocent heterosexuals who have been, who have been contracted STDs via sexual contact bisexuals. Folks, this is not just like fracture. It's kind of like, you know, some folks are black, some folks are white, some folks are gay. Some... No, it's not, folks. No, no. The question is raised, weren't they born that way? No. A man was born as a man and a woman is born as a woman. And beha- sexual activity is a behavior that is chosen and practiced. There's been no research that have proven that a person is born either heterosexual or homosexual. It is behavior, and we're seeking to endorse this. It costs Americans millions in higher health insurance premiums because increased health costs from homosexual behavior reflected in those premiums. Folks, I could go on and on and on, and and, and not even going to jump on the aspect of of the the number of, of pedophiles who before they were pedophiles were homosexual and practicing this lifestyle. Our hearts should ache over this, literally ache. Whole empires started their major decline. When the government accepted and condoned same-sex marriage and homosexual behavior. We need to pray. We need to show kindness and love and mercy. It should not be part of our jokes. It's not a joking matter. It's not a joking matter. I've had to sit with moms and dads on too many occasions. And sometimes regularly. And have to really just listen and help them try to figure out how to navigate this. My niece was not a lesbian. Didn't take her long to figure it out. And I think if we'll challenge people, um, you know, we all have, we all have, all of us have desires that we have, we have followed Christ to the extent that we won't follow through on those desires. We've thought about things that we would do, but praise the Lord. Jesus holds my heart. I mean, hold it. He he keeps me. Folks, I rejoice on a daily basis that Jesus is my keeper. He's my keeper. I hope he's yours too. And and since since I are one, men, 
I think, I don't, of course, I'm, I, don't have, I don't really know, but we're more dangerous than the women. I mean, that, that one thing right there, civilized, marriage civilizes men. It does. I've always said, you give a young man, you give a young man some responsibility, he'll grow up quick. Quickly. And so if you're figuring out what in the world's wrong with your teenager and he won't seem to grow up, give him some serious responsibility. And I guarantee he'll grow up. He'll rise to the occasion. But if you leave him over back in his room playing video games all day, he'll do that for the rest of his life. So, I want you to pray. For some of you, my heart aches for you. I love you. I'm sorry for the pain and the suffering that you've gone through. Uh, and as I oftentimes tell people, you know, if I could fix it, I would. If I could fix it, I would. But um, we, we, need to, we, we don't need to say, come on in, we're going to say it's okay over here. No, we're going to say, come on in, we love you, we'll help you find victory in Jesus. Because there is there is victory in Jesus over any life-dominating sin. Any life-dominating sin. Um, and, and, and we just need to be loving in that way. Pray for the healing of our hearts. Pray that this won't be a joking matter. And that we'll be sensitive to people who have found themselves stuck in a lifestyle that they can't, they would love to get out of if they could. Or maybe they won't even say that, but in their heart they would love to get out of it if they could. And we would try to be there to help them. And be sensitive to moms and dads. And I'll tell you, um, you say, Pastor, will we, will we accept people like that here? We'll accept anybody here that is living a repentant life. They can come join the church, sing in the choir, play in the orchestra, teach the children. All of us, all of us live repentant lives. I don't, I don't wave a white flag to any of my sin. I denounce them all. And I want to run as far away from them as I can. And that's the way we should be. So, let's take a little time to pray. Pray for our, our own hearts. Pray for our church. Pray that we would be gracious and loving, but that we would always tell the truth. So take a little time and uh, uh, instruments will play for a few minutes, we'll say about four or five minutes, and then we'll have our invitation and we'll close our service. But, um, this is a serious thing, folks, serious thing. And um, we need to pray, truly, truly pray. So spend some time in prayer.